That's right. Okay. Well, the person who I first heard talking about learning how to preach said that you had to preach, preach certainly, not, maybe not teaching, so that the average 12-year-old could understand your message. So I don't know if we've got any 12-year-olds in the meeting, but if I see any youth going to sleep, I'll know that um, I'm not reaching the average 12-year-old, and I'll, I'll uh, hopefully change my ways in the middle. So, it's all good to see you smiling. I'd like to start off by reading you a story from the Bible. Um, it's a funny story. Well, it's not funny. There's no jokes in it or anything like that, but it is a bit, bit of a strange story. I'm going to read a whole chapter, so hopefully you can pin back your ears and listen, I'm sure. Oliver assured me that the youth will be able to listen to a whole chapter of reading, so I'm trusting her judgment, and uh, here we go. It's in 2 Kings chapter 3. Let you find it if you want to. And it's about eventually a guy that we know called Elisha. But before that, it's about three different kings on one team and another king on another team. So if you get a bit confused with all the kings of who and kings of Ha, um, just kind of bear with it. Hopefully it'll become clear as we go. In the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned for 12 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and mother. For he put away the pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He did not depart from it. Right, you're with me so far. Two kings so far, one of Judah, one of Israel. The one from Israel was a dodgy geezer, and he did all the sins uh, of his fathers, but not quite as bad. Okay? Now, there's another king coming in now. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he had to deliver to the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. Okay, so this guy's been having to pay tribute to the king of Israel, but when Ahab died, he stopped doing it. So I'm not going to do it any longer. So King Jehoram, who's the king of Israel now, marched out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. And he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, the king of Moab. Sorry, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to battle against Moab? And he said, I will go. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, by which way shall we march? Jehoram answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. I don't know where the king of Edom came from. He suddenly popped into the story. It wasn't there before, so I have to bear with that bit. And when they had made a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. Funny that, isn't it? The king of Israel decided he's going to do it, and then when it went wrong, he suddenly decided he's going to blame God. God's fault. He's going to, he's going to make us so thirsty, we've got no water. We, the, um, the king of Moab is going to kill us. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here? through whom we may inquire of the Lord. 
Then one of the kings of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, when we read the Bible, we don't always do the things we see people in the Bible doing. So we're not going to copy what Elisha does next, because you might think he's a trifle rude. Okay? Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. So, not very pleasant, is he, to the king of Israel? Not very respectful. But maybe he deserved it. We don't know. It is the Old Testament, after all. A bit different, isn't it? But now, bring me a musician. Or in some of your versions, the older versions might say, bring me a minstrel. And I was going to get some minstrels, but I didn't quite get around to it. The bag in Aldi was very expensive, so I didn't buy it. I'm feeling a bit mean. You know, for a sermon illustration, £2.50 is quite a lot of money, you know, isn't it? <laughs> I wanted a bag for a pound or something. But I was going to make a joke, but I made it anyway. So there we go. Cheaper, a cheaper version of the joke. But now bring me a minstrel. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, you will not see wind or rain, but that stream bed shall be full with water so that you shall drink, you, your livestock, and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand, and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop up all springs of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. The next morning, about the time of offering the sacrifice, behold, water came from the direction of Edom, till the country was filled with water. And then it goes on. You can read that next bit. I won't say it's homework, because I said that in life group. Someone rebelled and said, I'm not going to do homework. So I said, well, it's pleasure work then. You know, kind of, you know, I can't please all the people. So So, you can read the rest of the story. It is a bit funny at the end, um, or a bit weird at the end. So, But into this story, I just want to pick bits out of it, really. I'm not going to tell the story again. I'm just going to pick bits and, and apply it to us, because I believe that this, some, this is something that God is wanting to say to us this morning or next week if you're watching online or in six months if you're watching later online or wherever, but this is something that God has for us. And the first thing that I want to pick out is the question was asked, is there no prophet? Is there no prophet? We need to hear from God. Is there no prophet that we can, uh, that we can listen to? And I just want to say, really, that a prophet is somebody that hears from God and tells the people what God is saying. Isn't he? That's a simple version, isn't it? It's me today, so it's the simple version every time. Yeah? Just think simple. If if you're kind of not understanding it, you're thinking too hard about it. You have to think less hard, and you'll get it. So, that was the Old Testament. You get a prophet to hear from the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, how do we hear from God? Or who hears from God for us, should I say? Who hears from God for us, young people on the back row? Who hears from God for you? Who hears from God for me? 
any offers. Sorry? No, not quite Jesus, because Jesus is the one talking, isn't he? Or talking through his Holy Spirit. But who's the one that hears God for us? Sorry? We do. Say we do. We do. We do. Sorry, football. Um, <laughs> any Christian can hear from God. Yeah? Any Christian from here, from God. We are the sheep of his pasture. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, so we can hear. Whether we do or not, it's another matter. But we can, if we take the right steps. Okay, we can hear his voice like Jesus did. Okay, you're reading the Bible. Jesus went around doing good and talking to people. We can be the same. He said, as he is in this world, so are we. Okay? So, let's just think about Jesus. Let's look at Jesus and some of the things he did. Let's look at him um, in the first chapter of John. When Philip, he calls Philip. Philip had been a, a disciple of John the Baptist, I think. I'm getting my information from the Chosen now more than from the Bible. <laughs> Esther's panicking. What am I going to say next? Um, but anyway, he tells Nathaniel, come and see, we've found the Messiah. Um, and Nathaniel basically says, he finds out he's from Nazareth. They say, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nah, it won't be. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. Not going to be the Messiah. It's not going to be the Messiah. You're joking, aren't you? So that's how he was. But he said, "Well, come and see anyway." So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, "Here is a true Israelite, in whom there's no guile." And so I, I'm not sure how he said this, but you know, how do you know me? Or how did you know me? Wow, how did you know me? Well, anyway, so he said, "How did you know me?" In some kind of form, and Jesus said to him. Before Philip called you, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel said, no, nah, he didn't. Did he? No, he said, he said, you are, let me just get it right. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What a turnaround. In the space, I don't know how long it took to get to Jesus. Half an hour, three quarters an hour, two days. I don't know. But in the space of him saying, nothing good can come from Nazareth to them meeting Jesus, he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of... A turnaround. Jesus spoke what he heard from the Father. I think Olive talked about it this morning. He spoke what he heard from the Father to Nathaniel, and it turned him around. It could have taken days of argument to proving from the Scriptures, blah, blah, blah. But all he did, he just spoke forth the Word of God, a snippet of revelation, if you like, of what he'd seen in the Spirit. And, and uh, Nathaniel's changed. What about the woman at the well? That's in John 4, a bit later in the story. And Jesus starts to talk to her. It's a bit unusual that he would be talking to uh, a woman and a Samaritan woman uh, because he was a Jew and all that custom stuff and the rest of it. So they have a little bit of a suspicious, or she's suspicious of him. What's he up to? Um, but Jesus said to her, um, you know, go and fetch your husband. Because he'd been talking about water of life, and she said, give me this water of life. He said, go and fetch your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And he said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Yeah? That's funny. Don't you think that's funny? I perceive you're a prophet. 
Well, you would do, wouldn't you? <laughs> Someone says that to you. You've had, you have, you've had five husbands, and one, uh, and one you have now isn't your husband. And it came to a place where she went to the town and said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. That's not quite true, is it? <laughs> it would take a long time to tell someone what you've ever But you know what I'm saying? She, she felt seen, she felt known, and she changed from a suspicious woman in a religious debate with uh, the enemy, if you like, to being someone who embraces Jesus. And the whole town come out to listen to him, and quite a lot of them believe. The Samaritans, not even the chosen people. They come out and they believe. And isn't it amazing, the, the change from a suspicious woman to someone who says, you are the Messiah. Again, what did Jesus do? He spoke to her what the Father was saying. He spoke to her snippets of revelation. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now isn't your own, isn't your own husband. Um, yes. It was, it was an awkward, it was a suspicious conversation, wasn't it? And he turned it round. He said something that he couldn't have known in the natural. But he was able to hear it from God. And then what about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, did we, do we know the song? Zacchaeus was a little, Penny knows it, she's mad than it. I won't get you out, it's all right. <laughs> I'm not that bad today. Zacchaeus, horrible tax collector, chief tax collector, rich man. Nobody likes him, but he wants to see Jesus. So he climbs up a tree to see, because he's small, small Zacchaeus. And Jesus walking along, through, just passing through, he sees him and he says, Zacchaeus, Come down from the tree. I must come to your house today. How did he know his name? How did he know his name? God must have told him. God must have shown him, this is the man you need to talk to. Bring him down, go to the of tea. And then there's a, ma a massive change into, in, in him, isn't there? From being a greedy, sniveling, uh, grasping man. All of a sudden he said, I will give uh, a quarter, I think it's a quarter of my money to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I'll pay them back four times. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I think possibly. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today because he too is a son of Abraham. He didn't look like it because he was you know, caught up in the Roman system and he was caught up in greed and idolatry and all that. So Jesus said, Straight on, salvation has come to this house because the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now Jesus has gone back to be with the Father who carries on the job of seeking and saving the lost. Who carries on the job that Jesus started. We do. Cool. We do. We do that job now on his behalf. So it probably behoves us to do it in the same way that Jesus did it. Isn't it? Jesus turned lives around by saying to them what the Father was saying. He didn't get into massive arguments. You know, I've heard it said, you can win an argument but lose the person. I mean, I'm good at arguing. You know, I close my ears, I don't listen to a thing the person's saying, and I just blash my part, my thing out. And I try and wait by, you know, bash. That's, that's an argument, isn't it? How are we going to do the will of God by that kind of behavior? Okay, I know there's apologetics and that kind of thing, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really clever enough to be an apologist. Apologist. 
Not, so, so, you know, it's better for me to do this other way. You know, it's not a formula. It's not a plan of salvation. It's by speaking the word of God, a snippet of revelation that says to the person, God is alive. He's interested in me. He's got a plan for my life. That like these three people I've spoken about, they would have felt known by Jesus. They would have felt, felt special that God would come to them. That's amazing, isn't it? So I would say to you, we are called to do the same. That's easy, isn't it? Is it easy? No. It's pretty scary, isn't it? Pretty scary. And how on earth are we going to do that? How on earth are we going to do that? And I put it to you, my Lord and ladies, it's basically by listening to the Spirit and doing what he told us to do. Okay? But again, we just need to unpack that a little bit, don't we? Because it's easy for me to say. It's easy for you to say, Roger. But we have to do it. So how are we going to do it? So if we go back to the story, he said, is there a prophet? Is there someone who will listen to God for me? God wants us to be people who are like prophets. We're not prophets. We're like prophets to the people around us. We are prophetic, if I can use that term, rather than, you know, because Old Testament, one or two people heard God for everybody. New Testament, we all hear God, not just for ourselves. We don't just hear God so that we can have a nice time. We hear God so that we can bless those around us and see them one and saved and, and set free, all those kind of things. So we can all be prophetic. I kind of have to confess that for a while, I, I, well, even recently, even this week, I would say, I'm, I'm not prophetic. You know, Olive's prophetic and, and Esther's prophetic. But that's not true. I'm just listening to the wrong source. I need to listen to the Spirit, and then I'll be prophetic. But I spend too much of my time listening to my mind, listening to the circumstances, listening to good ideas, listening to the world, listening to anything but the Spirit of God. Because all of us can listen to the Spirit of God, and then we'll be prophetic. Some people might be more gifted in it, and that's great. But we can all do it. Okay. So, the question is how, isn't it? That's the million-dollar question. So Mark and Cheryl will be back in a couple of weeks, and they'll, they'll tell you how. No, 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 no. Hopefully I'll give you some pointers. I'd like to say first and foremost, um, if you look at Elisha, it's said about Elisha that he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Yeah, it seems a bit, what is, what's that all about? You know, he kind of, you know, I, I can pour water on someone's hands, Dennis. Shall I pour water on your hands? No, no, I won't. I'll mess your Bible up. You've had it 103 years, so I don't want to get water. don't want to get water on it. No, no, he basically served Elijah, did the necessities, did the basics for Elijah. He was a servant. And, and, and all that I'm going to say um, about hearing God and being used by God, we have to remember we're servants. Jesus came as a servant, took the form as a servant. Didn't mean he, it didn't mean when he says he took the form, he was a surgeon. A surgeon. He was a servant through and through, like Blackpool Rock. Yeah, servant, servant, servant. And wherever you chopped him, he was a servant. Yeah, and we are to be the same, aren't we? So in all that we do, in, in, in hearing the Holy Spirit and moving in the Holy Spirit, we need to be serving him first, but those around us. Not serving our own agendas or, or lording ourselves. 
So, what did Elisha say when he was, apart from being rude to the king, what did he say? What did Elisha say? Came in a packet of sweeties. What did he say? No, 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 I wasn't listening. Bring me a minstrel. I mean, I ate five bags the other day. It didn't do it work for me, but obviously it worked for him. But anyway, now bring me a musician. Bring me a minstrel because he played and kind of soothed Elisha and he was able to prophesy. So I just thought, well, how does that apply to us? We can't take a musician around with us. Annette, could you come around with me every day and we'll see if we need to talk to somebody? It's not going to work like that, is it? That's not, obviously not what it means. And I just want to apply it to some of my experience this week. Because I've had a, a kind of a, I'd say life-changing, but I might have forgotten about it by tomorrow. But hopefully it's life-changing. Hopefully it's life-changing. Because we are very fickle people, aren't we? You know, we, we see something so clearly and then we forget. So we need to remember. But um, I basically this week forgot what God had shown me about the whole thing about preaching and, and, and listening. Um, so I got myself into my room, and I got my Bible, and nothing. I didn't get anything. And, you know, that's fine on Monday, because you've got a few more days, and then Tuesday, ooh, and Wednesday, oh, no, Thursday morning, oh, you know, because it's getting closer, and you realize it's not about time anymore. You can have all the time in the world, but it needs to be, you know, and I said to all of you, can't make God speak to you. You know, you kind of, you I've got to think, I can't make him say it. But then I started to remember when I was um, a long time ago, when I was a, not when I was a little boy, but you know, in my early 20s, so maybe 30 or 40 years ago, God really spoke to me through Samuel. And I've, I've preached it quite a few times, so you've probably hear me on, heard me on Samuel. Samuel was a young man who was in the temple. The temple at that time was really nasty, horrible things going on, prostitution. Uh, the, the priests were taking all the best parts of sacrifice. The, for themselves, they weren't allowed to. It was a horrible place. But it says, Samuel, as a little boy, ministered to the Lord. And it keeps saying throughout Samuel 1, 2, 3, Samuel ministered to the Lord. This went on, but Samuel ministered to the Lord. And it gets to a place where uh, God spoke to him in uh, Samuel 3. But at the end of Samuel 3, it said that God let none of his words fall to the ground. And it said there was, they were aware there was, there was, that God was in the house because Samuel was in the house. So there's a real sense, and, and God showed me that if I would sit with him and minister to him, then that he would give me the word to say. And I've proved it. I've seen it happen. I've, I remember writing sermons, and I couldn't get anywhere, so I'd stop, and I'd worship, and then you'd get the next bit. And the other thing is, when we were in Mayfield as a church, uh, there was an, I, I had another picture. like a It was a, it was a picture, and it was um, of... I'd, it was the sea, basically. I can't remember exactly where. But there was the sea, and there was this mass of, of kind of seaweed and, and, and a morass. It was a great big thing. And, and I was conscious that there was things hidden in there. And there was a lot of people searching, like divers, searching, finding out the, trying to find uh, things that turned out to be the truth. But God said to me, if you worship me, it was like a scalabar. You know, the sword came out of the thing? That if you worship, the sword will come, be presented, the word. And so I know that really I need to be in his presence, ministering to him through worship, and that he will speak to me. 
But did I remember? Did I do it? No. Now I know that sometimes when, you know, when you're preparing a preach, it's all, it is about your heart. So sometimes God takes you through, you know, repenting of pride, repenting of arrogance. Oh, I, I, I'll be fine. I'll get the word. All that kind of stuff has to, to die. Because the heart is more important than what I've got on my notes here. Yeah, this just needs to be a reflection of what's in my heart. Um, and so, basically, I started to worship. I can't, I can't, I can't remember, actually. I I'm, started to worship. And all of a sudden, something came. And, and then I've, had, I've been full of revelation since Thursday morning, when, when, I, when I cottoned onto that again. And I got far too much to say. And, uh, you know, some were written down. And, and some was about, you know, all of a sudden, the dots were making sense from stuff that was said way back. And, but, but I got the word anyway, so this is good. So, and I just remembered, this is how I need to be. I need to be someone who ministers to him. As I said, I was sitting in his presence. I had my Bible, but I needed to do more than that. I needed to minister to him. I began to sing and worship. And it seems a bit bizarre, doesn't it? I struggle a little bit with this concept that we should sit and, sit and, and sing or, or, or worship him. It seems bizarre. And for me, it seems quite difficult. I don't find it easy. You know, I have a worshipper downstairs in her little room singing her heart out. But for me, you know, I find it quite hard to sing. You know, it's hard to, maybe I call it, um, break the sound barrier and get my mouth open and start to worship. Either in, you know, it can be in English, it can be in tongues, it can be singing, it can be said. I can be singing a song that was sung this morning or I could be making up a new song. But it needs to be worship uh, that I'm doing. That's what I'm called to do. And actually, that's what Jesus said to the lady at the well, as an aside. The Father's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I know that worship you know, isn't just about singing. Um, we know that, really. It's, it's about bowing down. It's about reverence. You know, there's a sense that it's a kissing towards. Um, but it involves singing and speaking this out. You know, we, as I said, we need to break the sound barrier. As we worship him, which is his delight and due, he speaks to us. We need to give him the worship he deserves. It's like the musician in the text. The musician in the text is my worship. And, you know, okay, I can sing. Um, some of you might feel you can't sing, but you can sing. On your own. Often for me, it's better if I go for a walk and sing out. Actually, I remember preparing a preach quite a few years ago, and I was coming down the alleyway singing, and one of my neighbors went past. And when I got home, she said, oh, you were really singing, weren't you? I said, I was really singing. <laughs> but we just need to let go and worship him because he's worth it, isn't, isn't he? Because people need, to, um, people need to see that in their lives. I was reading a psalm yesterday, and it was Psalm 40. And I'm just struck by a verse that needs to be a provocation to us. Uh, um, oh, Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will put their trust in the Lord. That's what we want, isn't it? We want many to see, to fear. And put the trust in the Lord. And it's not, you know, back down to, you know, oh, I went past Roger's house and I heard this weird singing. 
or the, you know, it was. I it didn't even sound like English. It sounded a bit weird. I sounded like a bit Hebrew or something or whatever. Yeah. So let me say to you, as we are in His presence, worshiping Him, worshiping Him, however that may be, you know. But but worship, you know what I mean. We just need to ask Him to lead us to the people that He wants to speak through to, through us. Either we, either that we can speak to them or we can reach them somehow. But it's our harvest. We need to ask him to show us what to say or do. He is still seeking those who are lost. And he desires that you and I work with him. And to some degree, it's a journey. We won't get everything right. But if our heart is right, if our heart is to, to, uh, to serve him and to to love those around us, and to show forth Jesus, he will, um, he will reach them through us, won't he? And we need to expect that God will give us things to say to people if we ask him. I remember, um, I, I'm, really, I'm reasonably confident now, if, I, if I'm in a meeting and I ask God for something to say, I'm reasonably confident that he will give me something. Whether I give it then is another matter. But I know that he will. But I didn't always used to be like that. When I first came to Cambridge, we're back in 1986, this might have been a long time ago, I was in a meeting and I was sat in the front row and uh, Tony Howson, who was a pastor then, said, um, uh, who, who, isn't prepared, who is not prepared to prophesy this morning? So, well, you used to be truthful. So I put my hand up. Uh, you know, I'm basically not prepared. Nobody else put the hand up. I was the only one. So he came across to me, and, he, and I said, uh, uh, but next week, I'll be ready next week. <laughs> so that's fine. And so during the week, I started to pray, Lord, give me something for Sunday's meeting. And I got to the point where I knew if I pray anymore, I'm going to get something. And if I get something, have I got the bottle to go and give it? And long story short, I did. I gave it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't earth-shattering. You know, no one... Um, you know, and 5,000 people didn't get saved. But, but I did it. And as you start to be obedient in these things, God will give you more. Someone said recently, I think it's true, that you get things as a little seed. God speaks to you in seed form. And it can either stay, you know, you can, we've got a load of conkers in our shed that we collected, collected last week. They'll stay conkers, they'll just go dry and moldy, and that's it. But if they were to be planted and watered, they would grow. And the same with the truth and the word that God gives us. As we use what we're given, it will grow and get more. So expect opportunities. And expect that the word will, I saw someone recently said, it's like it bubbles up within and suddenly pops into our head. Something we haven't been thinking about or someone we haven't been thinking about. Just follow those things. I had a really weird dream. It, wasn't, it might have been a Christian. I don't know. It was a really weird dream. But the thing I got out of the dream was, I was in this kind of, conf I don't know if it was a conference, I don't know, it was just weird. But the thing that came to me was, we need more hunches, follow your hunches. So I thought, yes, we need to follow the hunches. If we're Christians, if we follow the Spirit, the Word of God's in us, the things, it's a bit like um, Kenneth Hagin says, you know, we can expect that what comes up will be of God. Okay, check it out from the Word, make sure it, 
you know, and don't put yourself in dangerous situations, you know, don't go witnessing on the motorway or something silly, you know, check it out. Um, but we need to start following those things. Phone so-and-so. Why don't you bake a cake for so-and-so? Why don't you put some money through so-and-so's door? Whatever it is, yeah? We, we just need to be becoming much more um, available to the Holy Spirit because God wants to reach people more than you do. You think, I've got a real heart for the lost and I'm going to have to twist God's arm to get involved in this. No, he's been trying to twist your arm for a long, long time. Um, and he's glad that you begin to get it now. Um, so, yeah. So, how are we doing? We're doing all right. So, we need to recognize that we are the prophet in the story of those around us. We're the ones that can hear God. We need to be spending time in his presence, ministering to him in worship and praise in tongues in English, and then asking and expecting for words for the people around us. That's not that difficult, is it? I know giving them might be. You need, might need to ask for boldness as well to do it. But in the story, going back to the story, the answer for their issue came in the form of water. Yeah? They, 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 the water... I mean, I saw one of the commentators said that they had to dig trenches. I'm not sure it says that in the text, and I don't want to add that in, but that was a different story, wasn't it, where they had to dig trenches. For the, but the, the, there, was, there was water that came, and that was the answer, wasn't it? Um, and I'm reminded of, of, of the, the word from St. Dennis uh, about, I will pour out water on a thirsty land. That's Den one of Dennis's favorite verses, isn't it, in, in Isaiah 43, is it? 44, 3, yeah. So I will pour out water on a thirsty land. But so in our case as well, there's water involved in the form of the Holy Spirit. I just want to read to you uh, John 7. Um, I, I, I didn't write the verse down, I'm sorry. Is it, is it 38, 58? I'm not sure. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his spirit, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. You know, as we spend time as lovers of Jesus in his presence, worshipping him, we can expect that the rivers of water will flow from us, through us, to the people around us. That the thirsty ground, because you, you might think that people around you, they don't give a monkeys, but there's thirsty ground all around us. And they need the water of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And he's willing to um, reach those through us. So in conclusion, we can be like Jesus, reaching out to the lost. And actually, that's our job. When I say we can be, we should be. We need to be. I don't like shuds very much, but we need to be like Jesus because that's our job. Reaching out to the lost and hurting around us. We can carry the living water, the Holy Spirit that they need. We can carry the specific revelation and words that will just unlock their situations. As I say, it's not about, you know, a massive diatribe. No one likes massive diatribes. If you try talking to me for more than three minutes, you'll realize my eyes glide over. I don't like long conversations, and people don't. They don't want 25 minutes on why you need to be saved. 
They just want something that shows them that God is alive, that he's interested in them, and he loves them. Yeah? Enough said. Actually, I, I was watching this guy on um, YouTube who prays for people out. And he says to people, you know, I, I'm looking for people to take the hurt away, and he prays for them. He said, don't pray for more than five seconds. So he just prays, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this hurt. Amen. Or the other way around. I rebuke this hurt in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then people get healed. You don't need any more than that. You're only trying to convince yourself if you're doing longer prayers than that, in that situation. Keep your eyes open. Just pray like that and God will work. So it's the same. We just need, we just need snippets because a little snippet of revelation will do wonders, won't it? I, I know a double diamond works wonders if you're my age. But a snippet of revelation works even greater wonders. It sets people free. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I, I saw someone sharing something. He said that he went past a bookshop where there was a, a, someone doing tarot cards. And the Spirit told him to go in. And he went in. And then all he had, well, he had three words. But the first word was, I am a sign. He told the lady, I am a sign. And that meant so much to her. But to him, it meant nothing. You know, he could have made it up. I'm a sign dangling in the wind with writing on both sides and lights that flash. And he didn't need all that. He just needed, you know what I'm saying? And this is what we learned when we did the prophetic training with um, Liz Flutier. Just give what you've got. Don't try and interpret it. I had something for somebody yesterday. I sent it to them, you know, and I could have really embellished it. But, and it seems a bit pathetic when you just do. I just had, he knows so I just said, he knows. I'm not going to try and work out what he knows, because firstly, I can guess wrong, and it just devalues the word, but you just need to share what you have. And what you have is more than enough for someone to go, wow. I was just, and that, this, that's what this lady in the tarot card shop said. I was just asking for a sign this morning. And then he had two more words of knowledge. I, can't, I don't know what they were. And she basically renounced all her tarot cards, said, I'm never going to do that again, and left the shop with him and became a Christian. That's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. From just being obedient, he went in the shop. He didn't have a clue what he was going to say. He thought, I'm oh, maybe just going to ask her some questions. But he just said three simple words, which set the lady free, and she became a Christian. Um, amazing. So the important thing is time with him, ministering to him, Praying for people. But more than that, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Um, when we, when we, uh, Jesus said, rivers of living water. He didn't say a trickle of water that once was water, but now it's dried up. That's not going to help people, is it? And, you know, I just want to challenge you. And, and we were saying that people don't talk about baptism in the Spirit very much these days. But if you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, it's in the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the power comes for you to be a witness, for you to speak in tongues, to sing in tongues. And then you do need to get regularly filled up again. You can't just kind of say, I was baptized in the Spirit in 1980 like I was, and that's fine now. But I need to be regularly being full. But if you don't have the Holy, the Holy Spirit when you're a Christian comes in and, and that's almost like the Holy Spirit for you. He, he sanct, you get sanctification and that kind of thing. But there, wants, there needs to be a second encounter, which is a baptism in, 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 in power. 
to do the job. Because, you know, it's an evil world out there. It's a wicked world. People are deceived and people have, uh, you know, there's all sorts going on. We need power to set people free. And, and the baptism of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are the power that we need. So I would just encourage you, if you're a Christian and you're not being baptized in the Spirit, let me encourage you to ask the Father to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he promises you that, he said, if, I, if you ask for a fish, he won't give you a snake, really. Or if you ask for, what's the second one? Bread, yeah. He won't give you toast. <laughs> a stone. <laughs> if you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. So he said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in a minute, we're going to worship again. Um, I quite like that song about, um, that bit about if you've sung to, you've got no singing left. You've got no voice. And yeah. Can I encourage you um, to respond? If you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, please ask him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He will do that. And, and either now or a bit later, you'll, you'll have a gift of tongues which you can use to edify yourself. It builds you up. And it connects you to the spirit realm, which is where, you know, we are spirit people. Did you know that? I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. Therefore, I need to, to listen as a spirit. Don't, don't get freaked by me. You know, it kind of, I have a body, you know. But it's true that we are spirit people. When you're born again, it's your spirit that's born again. And that's how God communicates to us, through our spirit. Not through our minds or through, um, which is why sometimes just reading dry doesn't really work, does it? We need to be communicating with him on a spirit level. And worship and speaking in tongues, singing in tongues, really helps you connect at that level. And the enemy fights against it. He makes you feel awkward. He makes you feel weird. He makes you feel, this can't be right. I've been there myself. This can't be right. How can I sit there and sing like this? Or whatever. But it's because it's so important. Uh, more than ever, we need to be spiritual people. You know, the opposite is being carnal. Carnal just means meat. I'm, I'm um, you know, meat. I'm inspired by meat. I know some of us are inspired by meat, steak and barbecues and stuff, but that's not quite what it means. But, you know, I'm inspired by what I see with my eyes, which is not spiritual, is it? Or what I hear with my ears, which so often is the world. We need to tap into his, his communication to us. You know, it says in the Psalms that his thoughts for us are more than the sand on the sea. And, you know, he's got a lot to say. And you would go, well, I did hear God in 1953, but I'm not sure he's really wanted to talk to me since then. You know, maybe just before I die, he'll do it again. But no, you know, he wants to talk to us. And I'm talking to myself here as well. You know, we, we just think that um, our guys don't necessarily like lots of talk, do we? You know, I'm looking at Paul. I don't know why I was looking at Paul. <laughs> I was looking for support, really. <laughs> but yeah, God wants to talk to us all the time. And to say he's silent is, we're just listening to the wrong. You know, we're li li listening on FHM while he's on, vi vi what's that thing? Long wave. We're, on, we're listening on long wave when he's on digital radio. Sorry, I'm not really young and with it. Cool. So, can we stand up? Please. And Olive, can you... Actually, are you going to do that song or should we do a different one? Okay, we'll do that song. Can I ask you to respond? Um, 
the call is before you. He wants you to be involved with him, seeking and saving the lost. It'll mean you need to spend time with him, worship him, ask him for words to share, and then share them. And it's an amazing journey because anything could happen from that point onwards, couldn't it? I mean, do you want to stay with your boring old life uh, and rather, not, rather than having anything could happen in the next half hour with, with Jesus? Not that your life is boring, but you know what I mean? If, if that's all you've got for the next 50 years, you know, that's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I haven't even got 50 years left. But you, know, but you know what I'm saying anyway. We want to tap into his life and his, what he's doing. So let me pray. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be like Jesus, his hands, his feet, to do the works that Jesus did. Lord, we see that he was just saying to people the things you were saying. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was casting out demons. Lord, we want to be involved with you. And I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the life of God, streams of living water, that, so that when we enter into a place like Samuel, people know that God is there because we are there. Not that there's anything special about us other than we are vessels, containers of the holy. So I just pray that from what I've said, Lord, bring revelation to people, Lord. Help them to respond. Help them to tap into this exciting life of, of, of sharing with people uh, snippets of, of you. And they say, how on earth did you know? How on earth do you know? Lord, we just want to be living that kind of life. And Lord, we want to see the kingdom full of people um, who have responded to you in Jesus' name. So let's worship. If you would like me to pray or anyone to pray, um, come forward now or a bit later. You're better coming forward in the context of worship, actually. In what I've said, from what I've said, you know, you're better, we're better off praying in the context of worship. But um, if you'd like prayer, please come forward. Otherwise, let's just worship him now.